A lot of entrepreneurs wear many hats, but few of us do them well. Our next guest is Kei Kukoi, who has been recognized by the Financial Times as one of the 100 most influential BAME leaders in the UK tech sector. Kay is the founder and CEO of Purposeful Group, an award-winning training company, service provider, and partner. She's also a four-time best-selling author. And if you want to know more about Kay and how she manages to maintain her positivity and creativity with all of these projects, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Koch, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week, we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film and a favourite single or album and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at the Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. Hello Kay and welcome to the Cashflow Show. Thank you very much Clayton, how are you doing? I am very well thank you and it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. What can I say? You've had a... Oh quite an illustrious um, uh, journey so far, which I'm looking forward to hearing all about. Tell us, how did you get started on your journey? First of all, when I was at uni, I knew that I wanted to have a business at some point, but I didn't know what it would be, but it was always something that I wanted to do. So when I got my first job, I went to a Saturday class uh, run by an accountant at uh, the college up in Holloway in London <laughs> and sat there making copious notes knowing that one day I'll, I'll uh, refer back to it all and uh, it would all make sense <laughs> so that was that was where I was so that's like 21 or something or 20, yeah 21 22 um then I just got into my career I changed careers quite a few uh, times actually so I started off in sales um which has come in handy for what I do now <laughs> very handy indeed and then I got an opportunity to move into tech and they didn't have to ask me twice. I was like, yep, where do I sign? I'm in. So I jumped into having a a tech career and they provided the training. So I became a business analyst, um, designing and working with tech teams to create software for internal use for quite a large sort of number of users, like over a thousand users, you know, different uh, countries around the world. And I did that for five years. So when that project ended, I then got promoted to be a a project manager and worked with that company for a while. But I had like my vision board, or not vision board, but vision book, really. And the big kind of thing in the IT world is to become um, a contractor, because contractors earn the big bucks. You know, you're not employed by anyone. Um, You work for yourself. You agree a day rate with whoever you're consulting with, and that's what you do. So I always had my eye on that, not just for the money, but because I thought, well, if I can make it there, then it means I know what I'm doing. I'm good at my job, and I feel like I've reached a level of competency and expertise. So for me, like that kind of excellence, like, okay, people will be prepared to pay me that kind of money to work with them. So I kind of set an age by which I wanted to do that. And I managed to do that, I think, three years early or something. When I look back at my book, I was like, oh, I forgot I even wrote this in the book. <laughs> um, so that's how I got into tech. So 
So I was in consultancy for a while. And then I ended up um, doing two side hustles along with um, a very demanding consultancy career. So I'd already started then getting into the entrepreneurial world. But that was really, really intense, literally just working on something every single hour. I kept it up, but it was quite exhausting. I spent a bit of time in Portugal. I spent three months in Portugal and thought, right, okay, I want to move full time into entrepreneurship. So I explored some different programs and I started to write a book for entrepreneurs to help them to build apps successfully. So non-technical entrepreneurs have got an idea for an app for software and they don't know how to get started so I thought well I can explain this and I'm going to explain it so that a 10 year old or even your granny could read it and say all right I get that and I I would know what to do (laughs) so that was my goal (laughs) that's my goal super straightforward it's weird when people say um not a lot, but people have said this is very simple, but but the work that went in to make it simple so that people can read it and go, it's simple to build software was a lot. Yes. So it was made me laugh when I see that. That's because people don't often realise that simplicity is an art in itself. Yes, that's it. Because I could have written a very highfalutin thing saying, oh, you know, the doodah, what, you know, all the terms and phrases and, oh, you know, you know so much and all that, but... It was more about just communicating in layman's terms so that everybody could understand it rather than writing it in a very technical and jargony kind of way. So I removed all of that, used analogies that everybody could follow and understand, had lots of diagrams in the book and things like that. So that's a 300, I think, 300,000 word book. So the first book I wrote, it was a a freaking textbook. (laughs) 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 But... It's had really amazing um, reviews on on Amazon and, yeah, people have just said, it's in, you know, their Bible, they keep it by their bed, they put post-it notes in it. Um, I got people from South America, the US, Australia, reaching out, saying, you know, can you be my mentor? I've read your book, it's awesome. And that's kind of how Purposeful Group got started. So what's interesting to me is that we've often had discussions on the Cashflow Show and the Cashflow crew will be very aware of this, where we've had people on who've written books. And most of the experience is bloody hell, never again. I'm not doing that. Um, I say that as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said to my sister, if I say I'm going to write another book, give me a slap. <laughs> so that's, it hell. <laughs> because that's what was my concern, because you seem to be really kind of jolly at writing the, the, this book. And, the reality is the people that I've spoke to, spoken to most recently have sort of said, bloody hell, a book? No, you'll never catch me doing that. The learning and the growth was uh, like ridiculous. It was so intense. It's the hardest thing that I've ever done, probably hands down, but I wouldn't change it. And then I went on to write another four books within two years. So, you know, that's something I'm a glutton for, for punishment. But once I felt I got into that cycle and I still had more books inside me, I just wanted to keep going and almost like expel everything and get it out. So learning about Kindle, how to get put the books in the right format. I attended loads of online conferences running the States about how to write a book with people like Grant Cardone speaking and things like that. 
And if I hadn't attended those, I would have written a totally different book. I would have written the book I just mentioned, which is, oh, I really have a pressure to sound like a tech expert and lots of jargon and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> like this, you've got to keep it relatable, um, easy to follow, simple and actionable. So that set my head straight, thank God, because I wouldn't have had any bestsellers because people would have said this is awful. So, yeah, that's it was hard, though. There was one day I lost. I had a vision in my head of exactly the book that I wanted to create. And it was just a case of how quickly can I type to get it out? Oh, <laughs> and, no. <laughs> literally. So there was one day I remember I went to bed and I woke up and everything I'd written the day before was gone. <gasps> So I know, I, was like, right, I could have a nervous breakdown, but instead I did probably, so it was, you know, not much less bad. So I sat down and I was in bed. So I woke up and, and I had my laptop kind of next to me. So I thought, right, before I've, I can't lose any more days. This is so intense already. It need, I need to do this as finish this as quickly as possible. And I'm almost like desperate to get everything out by this point because it's just so hard. So I sit down for 13 hours just on a constant flow, like stream of consciousness where I didn't get up from where I woke up in the morning, realised it was gone. I just sat up in the bed and I didn't move for 13 hours. I didn't get up to eat, go to the toilet, have a drink, anything. <laughs> I just typing like a lunatic for 13 hours straight. So that was like the craziest, wow. craziest day. That was like seven o'clock in the morning and so eight o'clock I got up went to the loo and thought I'm gonna have some breakfast slash lunch slash dinner now what that does to me is illustrate the level of your determination mm, because yeah. most people would have been <laughs> reaching for the wine bottle or something like that but at that particular point and to, I know what it's like to lose things, um, especially something that you, I'm constantly writing things down. I, I have an outline for a book and it's just an outline. It's just like, this will be a chapter, this will be a chapter, and that's as far mm -hmm. as I've got. And if I did that, at least I would be able to go back to the outline, but to lose it all is, is, is terrible. I got to a point, I had to try to describe, like, it's like, I can't stop now because I've come too far, but it's hurting now so I don't know like I don't know what what um mile it is in the marathon when it's just like hurting <laughs> and you feel like come all these ways I've just got to keep going but god it's hurting and I just thought I can't add another day's hurt onto any further time onto this so I've just got to get this out so yeah um I can be quite determined at things like that but that was a very extreme example <laughs> <laughs> Now, the Purposeful Group seems to have grown organically, I should say, from the positive response to your book. Could you tell us about maybe some of the stories about how your guidance and maybe your mentorship may have helped some entrepreneurs, you know, basically navigate their way through this complexity of tech startup? I think a lot of the stories are at their heart probably quite similar, which is I've got this vision. The guy from Africa who messaged me on LinkedIn, he said something along the lines of, I have got an idea for a startup with global ambition, but I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, let's start this big thing. And then I have no idea how to begin. 
So, so it's just helping people to unlock that, really, helping them to understand what is possible, helping them to not make a lot of mistakes, because there's a lot of horrible horror stories that I've heard um, from people that have been ripped off, had bad experiences, all sorts of things. So helping people to avoid those things. Um, helping people to strip back, so not spending time and energy where it's not needed and where to focus and where they don't need to focus so much. So it's that kind of steering people and then kind of cutting through the undergrowth a bit so they can see what they need to do and helping to give them a bit of a plan and a, a path, really, and some clear steps. I think a lot of the time as well, um, people broadly know what they want to do or sometimes really have a massive vision they can visualize almost taste where they want to be but yet they don't know how to take the first steps and put one foot in front of the other to get there so by just laying that out and saying like this is these are steps you need to follow that really really helps people to be able to move forward build their confidence and just gives them a place to start and some clear actions really so I think that's they're the kind of main things with most of the people that I work with, it's just giving them that. What's it like being one of the 100 most influential BAME leaders in UK tech? Oh, it's wonderful. I get red carpets rolled out everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> people waiting on the street. No. <laughs> it's... it's 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 great to be acknowledged, I think. <laughs> I told you I was feeling a you know, you you're gonna get, get a handful today. I, didn't I'm, I? <laughs> I'm I'm here I'm here for this. This is what this show is about. I'm here for this. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just nice to get the acknowledgement, I think. Um and I'm grateful for for that. So I think that's the, the main thing really. Um I've last year was a big year. I won four awards and then reached the shortlist for another three. Um, and so all of that is just, um, I guess, just the people acknowledging that you, you're there, you exist, you're doing some work that might be useful to some people somewhere. So I think for me, it's just that. And, you know, yeah, that feels really nice. I suppose it's like a, a nice, warm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me ask you another question, which is similar. And that question is this. How do people get involved in actually going forward? Because obviously, you, you know, there are certain people who've got that, Every time they fill in a competition, they win. They win like, you know, a cat, a dog, a, a car, a bike or whatever, or a cruise. They just, they just serial competition entrance. Yes. And they just professional. keep. Yeah, professional. <laughs> they earn their full living. They, they'll sort of get, you know, a hundred tins of kitty cat or something, or they win a, a hundred, you know, you know, a, a, a lifetime supply of pizza or something. A year supply of pedigree child. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that type of thing you obviously have got the knack obviously you, you must have some skills because at the end of the day you're, you're winning this stuff so but what is the knack because most of us and me included i i don't tend to go to enter these competitions i like dressing up because i got a tuxedo and i look pretty good in it <laughs> but um but i i don't think that's a good enough <laughs> excuse to, to turn up to um competitions well there's a story around that as well so I think it was 20, 
21, around August 2021, there was just something, because my brain stuck, whispers and chats and bothers me constantly. So it was saying, <laughs> it was saying, you need to apply for awards. You need to, you need to apply for, come on, apply for awards. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, it's going to be such a pain in the neck and such and such. But I just couldn't get, shake this feeling. It just wouldn't go away. So like, all right, just to kind of shut it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to do this. I obviously need to just get this done. So I did some research. I judged um, at pitch competitions by then already. So that was um, an interesting insight, although I guess it's, you know, submitting applications is something I, I or reading through applications is something I do do as well. So I thought um, I'm go I actually took it. I don't know if the word professionally is right, but I thought, well, you know, I'm going to I'm very, um, I guess, academic person like I learn very much just by reading things and if you explain it to me like I'll read a lecture I'll be like okay I get that so I booked myself onto a course to learn a structured way to apply because like everything the secrets the do's and don'ts the things to do the things to avoid and all that and you need someone to lay that out just like with the you know building the apps so I went on a course which really made me think and reflect about um, my business and measuring impact, which is massive. So tracking impact, you know, how many people have you helped? Are there any statistics around that? Or it could be revenue statistics or whatever it is. Gather data and information within your business so that you can refer back to that, both just to track how you're doing as a business anyway. And I think small business owners in particular are not great with doing that. But making that, so I've got a spreadsheet where I track, you know, so now I can tell you every workshop that I've run, like I've got a, a, a tally and a rolling tally of how many people have attended my workshops, for example. That can be then used if you are applying for awards to say how many people you've supported, how many people have read my book. I have data on my books. I have data on that. And to back that up, really. So it brought all my thinking together around all of that and then as with everything it seems that there's a theme here with the books I do everything in multiple so that like, well whilst I start let me just continue <laughs> because now I've written some profiles for awards each time I do a new award in a short space of time I'm benefiting from continuous learning because when I press send on that last one even though I was happy with it you start thinking oh I could have done that bit better so number award application number two is X percent better and award application number three is now X percent better and award application number four is X percent better. So I went through that learning period in a very short space of time. Well, that's interesting because to me, a lot of what you talk about just generally is about systems. Yeah. And your technique, if I'm analysing this correctly, is actually finding out there's a problem or a, a task that you need to achieve getting the requisite level of instruction, mm -hmm. then finding out the core elements of completing that task, mm -hmm. completing that task. And once you've got one as a template mm -hmm. and that's gone reasonably I well. I get all over it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and to be honest with you, that's a fantastic <laughs> way of doing it because as you said, once you've done one, 
you might as well carry on. That's what my and the first time was always the worst time. So after that, it's much com- relatively not plain, re- plain sailing, but you know what I mean, much easier than it w- was. You know, I, I suppose that's why a lot of people say that in when it comes to doing things in life, the easiest thing to do or the best thing to do is just to start. Because once yes. you start, you know, even I, it's like as you said with with the book situation that you had when all you, your work disappeared. Once you've started it makes it easier to recreate. It's when you've never, or you haven't gone anywhere near starting and you're, you're, you've got an hour mm. to go, boom, that's nothing. Mm. You know, oh, then... stop, start, stop, start. Exactly. So we were talking earlier about analysis and ideas and writing books. You have been involved in a couple of things that I found very interesting. And these are so-called models, and you'll have to explain that to me in a minute. But you've got the app map and the wheel of progress, which sounds, boy, that, that sounds really quite deep, actually. <laughs> the wheel of progress sounds like the wheel of fortune or something. You're going you're, you're to find out where you are in life. Tell me about those models. So, again, this is me taking um, knowledge of steps and processes that lead to the outcomes that you want or providing effectively a roadmap for people to follow who don't have so I've got that in my head and as a mentor you want to translate that information so other people can see that as well oh oh right now I got it because all they need is that spark and and then okay we're all on the same page now okay we can go forward so it's just about visualizing those things so that people can see what the journey is because if you want to build an app and you've never done that before and you're not technical you've got an end goal and you've got there's no path at all and so it's just helping people to see what that is and to be able to visualize that so that's what the the app map is just breaking that down into steps so people can see high level these this is the journey that that i'm going to go on with the the wheel of progress um, that's um, is more about me, again, just trying to communicate what value I can bring, Purposeful Group um, can bring in terms of what people can get. So it's just kind of breaking down all of the benefits that you can get in terms of building your confidence, having the path to follow. And sort of like if you get all these things behind you, then you are going to dramatically increase your chances of success. Wow. So when you come up with these models, how do they come to you? Do you just look at the difficulty or the obstacle that the uh, mentee is facing and then you then build a model around that? Or do you take what is a real problem and then use that as the model? I don't know if it's just something that's innate or whether it's got developed just through the type of work that I've done, probably a bit of both. But I crunch lots of lots of data like if I'm doing research I might look at 30 web pages or if I'm considering something I look at and think about lots of data so for that I was bringing together lots and lots of data points in my mind about what I think people need in order to be able to move forward and thinking about people that I've worked with and what their needs are thinking about the journey of entrepreneurship and what is needed and it's a case of bringing all that together and then distilling it into some steps and then being able to um, clearly describe each of those elements really so it's just something that in my mind I can kind of see 
that's what it needs to be. It's quite hard to like, I don't hard to articulate, but yeah, just I think again, it's just sort of breaking, going through a whole lot of data, picking out what I think is most important, and then breaking that down, and and then just being able to represent that and explain it to other people. Because you seem to have been almost driven by this idea of taking out the technical aspect mm. of the tech industry, which to a certain extent has always come across as being quite... Voodoo magic. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. Yeah, because I suppose th- there was there was this kind of thing that, you know, I know code and I know the mystic arts <laughs> and you are just a fool to enter my mortal. kingdom. Yes, oh. and I will banish you with my C++. Uh, you know, that... <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm taking this thing too far, isn't I? But th- that was the way that you were made to feel. And I suppose mm-hmm. to a certain extent, what you've done with your business and the way that you've pushed it things forward at the Purposeful Group is really just to say, hold on, don't let your lack of technical skill stop you from providing the world with great ideas and great apps or great um software yeah i think it's funny one of the reviews i received was about this is a democratization of tech and i think just making it so that tech is accessible to 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 everybody and i think it's also just demystifying as well that's something a word that i've used a lot just trying to demystify and simplify i think what is going on so that any any intelligent person, doesn't matter what their background is, can say, all right, yeah, I get that. And, um, you know, it, it just removes some of the um, kind of gaps in the knowledge or just sort of fills in for them. You know, they could, again, I start, keep talking about being able to sort of see in your mind's eyes. I think you need to, because when you're thinking about doing something, you you are, your brain is trying to visualise it, but you only want to do something and you there's nothing there. It's just there because like, there's nothing to visualise because you have no idea what is involved. In. Exactly. That is really important. Now, in an ideal world, you would be able to afford good, a good quality developer that would do a good job for you. Um, and that would be the ideal. But obviously, we don't live in, we don't live in a, a perfect world. And yet it would be such a shame if people that had great ideas weren't able to make them a reality. My view was people are going to try and either not do this thing at all just because they're put off by the barrier of the tech or they're going to do it and they fail or do it and succeed but go through a lot of pain uh, getting there that they could have avoided. So I thought, well, I can I can help with that. I can step in and I can remove a lot of the, the pain and the, the missteps and the roller coaster ride and all that sort of thing. Um, for people so that that was my goal or still is my goal really so when you think in your own mind about the purposeful group and you know what I love about that is that that purposeful group it makes you sound big from the beginning even if there was one person in the room purposeful group sounds we're big baby you know do, do, do you do you know it, how, like it means business it, it does it does it, and I love that I love that I'm part of the purposeful group yeah, it, you know, in your mind, what made you, A, can come up with that name? And B, what do you see it providing for somebody who's listening to this 
and who wants to, I suppose, get involved in what you do. You know, what, what was the initial ins- inspiration for calling yourself the Purposeful Group? And at the end of the day, who, who did you hope that you could help when you came up with the idea? So how did I come up with the name? Gosh, how many people did I harass with company <laughs> names, texting people every five minutes? What about this one? What about this one? Is it better than that one? <laughs> Which I think most entrepreneurs go through. So I went through so many names. Um, it's crazy sort of looking back and thinking about it. But I think, I don't think there's any particular trigger point. It's funny now. Like if you ask me, it's, there's not a like, defining moment, but that one, there was always a uh, sort of dis- dissatisfaction with any of the other names. When I got to this one, I just felt like I don't have any qualms. It just sits right. It's got that oomph behind it, that, that a bit of energy behind it that I feel... And I think that encapsulates what I'm trying to do. So after that, I was like, okay, call off the search. (laughs) That's the right name. And I think that's the hardest thing because I think that to a certain extent, when you look at certain businesses and what they would have been called, it does make you wonder why the initial name was ever really put on the table. But I suppose you have to go through certain things in order to encapsulate your mm. name in yeah. a name that hasn't been used before must be one of the toughest things going. Yes. And I have been through this process with entrepreneurs as well, sort of trying to find the right name with them, even sort of on, on the um, domain buying websites together going, is that gone? Are you, you check that one. I'll check this one. Is it gone? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, People don't think about these things. They don't think about them. Yeah, and it is really important because I think sometimes it's, again, I did loads of research on company names as well. Things like brand colours and the connections that they have in your mind and the significance of those. So my love of just research (laughs) has been very, very useful, um, you know, thinking about what to convey and things like that. I mean, the other... I have got um, also another domain, which is Tech Startup Academy, which is, again, if people out listening are starting a business, having what they call a Ron Seal title, which is something I also picked up at that book writing and author convention I mentioned, is that the Ron Seal title does what it says on the tin. And that's very powerful. So when you call your company a name, so there's a lot of tech companies that have just got random names and things like that. And it doesn't convey what your company does. Not saying that not necessarily to do it, but on the other hand, a name that's got, so Tech Startup Academy is very plain to you what that might, uh, what that might do or what it might offer. So I think having wrong seal titles, the same with all my books, because of that convention, I learned, you know, all of my books, if you look at the title, you know exactly what you're going to get. There's no kind of obscure um, titles because it doesn't necessarily grab people. You want people to look at your company name or look at your book or whatever it is and say, that's what I need, that. We're seeing a lot more Ron Seal um, type names, you know, like the sofa company or the, you know, the kitchen company or whatever, which basically when you type into Google and do that, but people do make mistakes. I, I saw on a podcasting website the other day, a lady basically I, and I'm quite trying to work out how she's done this. 
she's done the branding and it appears and done all of that, got it all together, etc., etc. And now she's just realized that somebody in the podcasting world has got the same name as her podcast, which is appears yet to launch. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. how could you not see that? Because even just a basic check in the Apple podcast or the Spotify podcast would have given you that name that it exists. Just a basic check or even just a basic, what, what happened there? And to then build your branding around something now, which it must have cost you a few hundred pounds or a few hundred dollars or whatever the currency is, it's going to be pretty detrimental to you as a business. Yeah, and again, I've got a bit of a bugbear about this because another thing, sort of talking of going on to sort of company names as well, is that some people do know that if they come up with a name for their business that they need to check company's house. But then they don't Google because... but company's house has only got limited companies on it but what if it's a sole trader indeed indeed and so are you going to aggressively are you going to be like hostile and go in there and set up a limited company when somebody's got that could be seen as a bit a bit dodgy are you trying to compete with if somebody's built up a reputation as a sole trader and you then register as a limited company so that's a little bit of a a risk if you are actually a, a sole trader but yeah it's A lot of what you've said today has been about research. And I think that ultimately the bottom line is, is that for people who are getting involved in businesses, research is incredibly important. You don't expect to go from zero to 60 and everything to run smoothly. You know, launching a business is painful. It's incredibly painful. And research is a massive, massive, massive part of that. Yeah, I think so. And for me personally, I just love learning. So one of the best things about this has just been all the stuff that I've been able to cram in my head over the last few <laughs> years, <laughs> however long. So that for me is like your brain, if you think of it like a lake, well, the more information you put in it, that lake is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you can fish more and more out of it and make more and more interconnections between things. Like the more I learn, the more useful I am to myself and to other people. So for me, it's never a question, if you know what I mean, because <laughs> I just think it's a win-win situation. Um, and so that research, that learning and stuff, it's, yeah, it's something I think it would be hard for me not to do. I think it's just something that's, that's baked in, really. So moving on from research and learning and acquiring knowledge, we're going to move on to the section called What Are You Like?, which is said in a Cockney accent. And what you exactly that's it. Perfect. What you like, yeah. You I need somebody from EastEnders doing it. So uh, Yeah, I did. I was like channeling Mo or whatever God Mo, bloody big Mo and little Mo. Yeah, I could never believe that she's Gary Oldman's sister. It was just like shut the front door when I first found that out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, moving on from EastEnders, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> that was not on my bingo card when I started um, uh, this <laughs> this podcast this afternoon. <laughs> but m- moving on slowly, we're going to talk about your favorite book, your favorite film, your favorite um, piece of music, and we're going to get right into there with 
your favorite book, which you say is, or one of your favorite books, this is what you said. I love the Girl in the Box, Girl Out of the Box series by Robert J. Crane. And you confess here that you, there are 55 books in the series and you've read 53. I, one thing I'm picking up from this, you are one focused person. You are focused. I give you this. <laughs> so tell me about this Girl in the Box, Girl Out the Box. I, I, I'm intrigued. Really amazing books. Um, so we live in a world where super supernaturals or soups are real. They're real um, people and they're descendants of the Greek gods. And they've got ver various different types of powers. It might be the power to move um, water or air and various things like that. And then you've got the succubus. So the succubus, basically by touching somebody, can... Um, kill them and drain the life force out of them. They can also dream walk and reach people and talk to them in their dreams. When they, <laughs> if they decide to kill somebody, they can take the powers of another supernatural. Okay. So that person, um, if they were to be an evil succubus, could go around taking up the powers of other supernaturals and become infinitely pa powerful because they, rather than just having their own powers they'd have the powers of others as well so our succubus is a good one basically and it's just about her her life she has quite a, an unhappy life her mum uh, locks her in a, a box so borderline uh, child abuse um and is very very strict and harsh on her and she's being hidden away um, so that people don't know where she is because people are hunting her for her powers because again if if she can almost hoard powers, right? And then in the wrong hand, she would be incredibly powerful. Right. So it's all about her life, which is very hard, very challenging. But it's written like, you know, these are real people, real human beings. It's not like, well, he's Superman, you know, let's worship him. They're real people with real lives. And so we go on her journey with her right from the age she's about 15. Now she's about 28. <laughs> all these many books later and all the people that she's met, and um, now she's in the world of work and she runs a consultancy where the, the, the soups in there basically are helping to, to fight crime and solve problems. And they get paid by different states in the US and sometimes uh, other countries to, to help them. But it's just very, very funny. The characters are great. Some people go from being ordinary humans to soups and you see their their kind of origin stories and how that happens. You've got some really evil baddies as well and some really great kind of good people that you can get behind. And also some complex people as well because this, this character um, suffers from alcoholism um, and self-doubt and various other things. So it's just a really, really good series. Wow, okay. So that is The Girl in the Box, Girl Out the Box by Robert J. Crane, which is a series. Yes, and very quickly, sorry, can I just say, oh, please. the guy who wrote this, this is, talk about prolific, this dude has written 55 books, and this is not the only series that he has. So, all talking about authorpreneurship, how, you know, writing this, these amazing series that just get people absolutely so hooked that you would read <laughs> every single book in a series that big. Um, and obviously, that's a cumulative um, effect. And, you know, this God knows how much money this guy makes then. Well, the problem is he's 
And that's not necessarily really a problem. It's the fact that he has created a universe. Yes. And that's what people love. They love it when an author yes. creates a universe. They get people, you know, this is what, mm. what, what filmmakers love. They love a universe or TV mm. makers love. They love a universe that you can explore and you can then yeah. have, you know. And there's a huge backstory years with this. Then you've got the fan fiction. I'm sure there's probably girl in the box fan fiction. And what's the best way to describe them? The fans are writing about their perception of what the characters and then extend the universe. Amazing. Fantastic stuff. So. We're going to move on to your business books. So you've got the classic Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, yep. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and The E-Myth Revisited. They're free killers. They're, um, uh, <laughs> at, at the end of the year, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make a list of all of these. I'm going to put them on LinkedIn. But what I'm also going to do is I'm going to buy these and I'm going to sit and read these because the, these books keep coming up time and time again. And it's about time that I got in or got with the program, as the American cousins would say. Yeah. I mean, Think and Grow Rich is just amazing. It's so motivating. It just uh, opens up like, yes, the world is my oyster. Anything is possible. That's how I felt anyway when I read it. It's brilliant. There's um another one actually that I really like that I've just read recently so okay so this year <laughs> I've read a hundred um novels and I've read I don't know if you've heard of Blinkist it's um it summarizes books for you so Indeed. I've got the app so I've read a hundred full novels and 220 blinks so I've been hoovering up that knowledge <laughs> uh, <laughs> You got my, you have my respect. You make me seem as if, boy, I'm the laziest guy. I can't get my act together, man. <laughs> I feel like a loser, man. I feel like a loser. <laughs> no, no, that's not how you mean. But Just a little bit every day. Yes, it's true. And I think, to be honest with you, it's good because I, I do feel I used to read an incredible amount and I tend to watch things more than read. I love watching documentaries and stuff like that and information in that way. But yes, uh, yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. So what's this one that you've, that you've read recently? So I'd um, come across Grant Cardone's The 10X Rule. I had to open with that, The 10X Rule, but the book that I, I really like is um, another one, which is 10X is Better Than 2X, and it's by Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan. So rather than just, if you want to be super successful, you have to do the moonshot. And if you do the moonshot, then you might not get to the moon, but you're going to get somewhere pretty great. It's, I thought it was more um, structured and broken down and more like the way that I would, if I was explaining this to, to an entrepreneur that I was working with, it's more how I would do it rather than just going, Rah! you know, just be hungry, you know, like don't sleep, you know. So we're going to close off that section with just the musical aspect of your list. And you said that, you know, there's that's a hard one. According to Spotify, I listen to more music than 71% of their UK users. So I listen to a lot of music. <laughs> oh, everything... I feel like a right big geek, don't I, when I was thinking like, it's the theme of this No, podcast. no, and you anyway, know something? That's what I love. Geek. I love because I love all of this stuff because... <laughs> To me, I am the guy that sits there looking at why is it true crime podcasts 
sell to women more than anybody else. Oh. That's it. And why is it on Tinder, for example? Not that I'm on Tinder, so cool out. Um, <laughs> just, just making sure, just get anybody out uh-huh. But why... <laughs> but... <laughs> No, no. But why why is it that most women set their filters six foot and above? Oh. Yeah. And and in, in addition. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. But also at the end of the day, the fact is there are only probably if you put the UK and the US is very similar kind of demographic, then you've only got 17% of men who are six foot and above. And that includes in all the dominate denominations of men. So that must mean people. The denominations? I'm trying to be diplomatic here. I'm trying to say in terms of their ethnicity, ethnicity and sexuality yeah. and blah, 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 or whether they've been locked up or whatnot. You know, I'm trying to be yeah. diplomatic here, but uh, <laughs> I'm failing miserably. But just basically. Evangelical. Yeah, exactly. It, when it comes down to it, effectively, if they're all going for the same pool of blokes, there's going to be a problem. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so that's where statistics. So. I suppose it's the same look, men looking for women. No, because actually there's probably a lot of, there's lots of men looking for women, but the fact is, and there are lots of women technically available, but if the women don't want the men that are available, then there's no choice. So for example, if only 17% of men are six foot and above, um, say 80% of women have got their filter set to six foot and above, there's not swiping whether it is with left or right or whether on the on the other blokes that are below six feet. Yeah, I'm with you. It'd be a, a, a percentage of lonely men, basically. Yeah, indeed, so, indeed. So, yeah. that, that, so that, I'm, I'm just trying to show you that there, there's more geekery going on. It's not just one-sided. <laughs> so, you're at the party as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm at that same party. But before we close off, let's close off with, you've got, in terms of your music choice, You've been playing I've Got My Smile back by Stormzy and India Ari. Yes. I just found the lyrics really powerful on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stormzy already been mentioned here on the Cashflow Show. Um, obviously, British icon. I have to recommend a group called um, the Hot 8 Band. Ooh. don't know if you've come across them. They are... So when I watch films and things like that, a lot of the time... I'm like, what song is that? I've got sound hound out and trying to track everything down. So I'm always like listening to the music that's playing in the background. And I've picked up some amazing um, new music from a lot of Netflix series. But I do it in the cinema sometimes as well. So Hot 8 was on a, I can't remember if it was a film called Chef, but basically it was about a guy who from or was living in New Orleans and he started a sandwich truck and then from there built himself back up. I think he'd been a chef for somebody else and then he was starting out on himself. But because it was set in New Orleans, I had this hot eight um, brass, so it's a brass band and they will do covers of things like um, Snoop Dogg's What's My Name (laughs) or Marvin Gaye's uh, Sexual Healing or Sade covers. But I swear the energy of band literally when I hear the music I have to just jump up and just like dance around like a wild person like it's so amazing and energetic and uplifting so definitely check them out they're so so good 
and it's quite interesting. Uh, for me, I'm Shazam is if I haven't got my Shazam, I'm in the gym, I'm doing doing my exercise and I hear that tune and I'm going, right, here it is. I'm Shazam in that. <laughs> I, I, I'm obsessed yeah. with Shazam. I think it's one of the one of the best things that ever came out of that sort of, you know, early apps and early. stuff like that. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. Tom with the competitor. All <laughs> uh, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. He's like, that is it. <laughs> so we're coming towards the, the end of the show, but normally I would say, ask you what you're doing. But on this occasion, since we're going in a quite a zany direction, I'm going to ask if you want to play 60 Second Shootout. Oh, go on then, Chuck. Yeah, go, no, go on, no, this, this is going to... We've gonna... got over to Corey then. We were at um, Cockney before. <laughs> Back to Corey, yeah. Right, okay. 60 Second Shootout, very, very simple. It's either this or that questions. So, for example, I might say lose sleep or skip a meal, coffee or tea, and you then pick one of those um, uh, things that you would prefer. Okay. So I shall give you a starting time and then we shall then move on and then we can get things moving. So, right, very simple. Sitting comfortably? Yep, right. standing comfortably. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. You're one of those <laughs> tech people. You're standing, bro. I can get it, yeah. Standing desk. Uh, indeed. Right, we'll start. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Night or morning? Night. <laughs> rich and famous or rich and unknown? Rich and unknown. <laughs> passenger or driver? Driver in life, passenger in reality because I don't drive. <laughs> <I> <laughs> no, drive. neither do I. Art museum or history museum? <laughs> well, art. Car or bike? Bike. Train or plane? Train. Owe money or owe a favour? Owe a favour. Coffee or tea? Tea. Haven't drunk coffee since I was seven. Okay. Be embarrassed or be afraid? Ooh, be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Lose sleep or skip a meal? Oh God, that one's just, just no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I pass. <laughs> okay. Cash or credit? Cash. Uh, and that ends your 60 second shootout. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. I <laughs> uh, see it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. <laughs> Apart from the sleep, lose sleep or lose food, that's just. <laughs> well, we have now officially come to the end of the show. And it's been a pleasure having you on. It's been absolutely brilliant having this discussion with you and for you sharing your progress in terms of the purposeful group and all of the things that have gone in between that. One of the things that I wanted to say is, is that I was sitting there and I was preparing the show and I said to myself, I bet you 10 years time, right? You're going to be known as Dame K Kukoi. <laughs> I'm calling it now, right? Because I'm always really good at predicting these things. Um, I'm calling I'm it now. Because, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I can see it. I can see it. The way that the trajectory in your life is going, I'm going to call it. I've got no, no, uh, I'm not in with the royal family. I'm not in with government. I'm not in with anybody. So I'm in just by myself, you know, I'm just lonely. You know, that's how it goes. But, <laughs> but that's how I see things going for you. And that's what I see for the future. What's the future that you see for yourself? 
So I think just continuing to do good work that I enjoy, I think. Um, so I'm loving what I'm doing right now, combining tech, business, entrepreneurship. I feel like this is the place. It feels, this is, it feels really right. So I think just keep uh, exploring, keep learning, <laughs> keep adding to the knowledge base and just levelling up, really. So I think that's the theme as well, just step by step, more and more uh, complex or new things sort of coming in, but with a core of continuing to kind of mentor and, and work with, with entrepreneurs. That's brilliant. So if you had one piece of advice for someone who decided, I've got, think I've got a great idea and I think it could be in the tech space and I could be able to expand that all across the world. What would you say to them? I would say, first of all, just start, but there needs to be some kind of plan. So I think it's doing your research, starting to think about who am I going to sell this software to and trying to speak to those people, understanding if there really is that need and understanding what you can do and offer that doesn't exist right now. So you're not just an also ran with the other competitors and people out there that are doing the same thing. Then I think it's a case of thinking about or understanding what kind of features you need. So if you're building an app or you're building a website, you know, what does it need to include in order to serve those customers and being clear on that and then thinking about how you're going to build that. So there's a whole um, wealth of code-free software out there now, open source software that, you know, if you find um, the right tool, it could get you 70 80% of the way there potentially. So the research <laughs> to look at what kind of tools might be out there already so that you're not reinventing the wheel and you can get started in you know, three to six months and not 18 months, two years or whatever it is. So obviously there's a lot more to it than that, but there's that's a few um, bits of advice that I would give. So where can people contact you in order if they want to implement the advice or build a relationship with you guys at the Purposeful Group? So they can visit the website. There's a, a chat bot on there. So you can just ping a, a quick message if you want to do that. Lots of contact options on there. They can also book an appointment, send us an email. Um, so get, get in touch in whatever way feels most comfortable for you. If you want to follow um, or connect with me on LinkedIn, then I'm just at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash k k a y hyphen kukoi k u k o y i so a few ways you can get in touch brilliant well it's been an absolute pleasure Kay, and i'd like to say k kukoi founder and ceo of purposeful group thank you for joining us on the cash flow show thanks for having me it's been great you're most welcome We've come to the end of the Cashflow Show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom, and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes, which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for real people, real business, real talk.